An award-winning family-owned business with exceptional diamonds, engagement rings, jewelry, and timepieces, Continental Diamond is the jeweler Minnesota adores. In St. Louis Park or online at ContinentalDiamond.com. Hey guys, another really fun episode of The Tailgate this week. I know normally we have fans of other NFL teams, but we had to jump at the opportunity to get Andrew Zimmern on the show, uh, King of Kings, celebrity chef, uh, difference maker in the community, very fun, very interesting personality. He's got a new show coming out called Holiday Party. Uh, guys, you are absolutely going to love this episode. Uh, and if you do, leave a comment, subscribe, do the things that you do that help shows survive. I know what time it is. Hey, we gotta go, man. We gotta go. Let's go. Showtime. It's Raiders week, everybody. We are trying to find a win amidst a couple of losses. And joining me to talk all things purple, ladies and gentlemen, the great Andrew Zimmern. And Andrew, why don't you... Tell us if you have ever found yourself as a naked man in a room with a naked Adrian Peterson. Wow, we're just diving right into the deep end of the pool, aren't we? That's what we call a get the show started question. Uh, Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, obviously the answer is yes. Who hasn't been? <laughs> um, I, I guess at, at the at, at, sort of at the height of, of AP's Vikingness. Um, when he was uh, a, a, a dominant force uh, in the NFL, a- annually and historically, um, Target Field opened. And Major League Baseball, in its great wisdom, whenever a, a new stadium opens, likes to have uh, the celebrity all-star softball game mm-hmm. take place there. And they like to, to pepper the team uh, or teams in this case, with a, a variety of local celebrities, right? So they always make sure they have an athlete from every pro team, and then they have a couple of other uh, folks. I I was the couple of other folks. Um, we, you know, we had a wild player. We had someone from the Lynx, and and Adrian Peterson was playing. And you spend when you're when you make this commitment, it's like a four or five day commitment. Uh, you get you know, batting practice tips and fielding tips from Hall of Famers. You go do make-a-wish stuff. Uh, You do children's cancer funds. I mean, it really is, for a sports geek like me, uh, I'm with 40, you know, Hall of Famer legends and a smattering of other celebrities uh, who love to play baseball. And we're just hanging out and doing stuff for four or five days. Game day arrives. We get to the stadium uh, much earlier than I thought we would. And we're directed to the locker room where everyone is served the locker rooms at that time uh, for the twins. And we were the AL team. So we were in the twins locker room, not the visitors locker room. We are in sort of like pods of two. You're it's sort of like half clover leaves, right? So there's some privacy, but you're essentially sharing a locker room with somebody. Um, and I was sharing a locker or an area with Adrian Peterson. And we both took out all the uniform stuff. And do you put the hose on before the pants, the pants on before the hose? The, I mean, you, you have, a, you have a, a, a pro uni, and I don't know what part of the kit goes on 
first. I know underwear starts, yeah. but the first thing the first thing you have to do is take off everything that you have. Now, classic getting undressed. Yeah, classic. So, if we remember one thing about Adrian Peterson was like lowest body fat count in the yeah. history of body fat counts. The guy was six foot three of sculpted majesty, and I, <laughs> I am not. So we take off our clothes and everyone is looking at him. I mean, everyone is looking at him. It was just like, this was, let me just say in every aspect you could possibly imagine, he was legendary. And I'm sitting there standing next to him naked, just I, I'm, I'm frozen. And from, a, from across the room is one of our coaches, Raleigh Fingers. And he's sitting underneath a sign that says no smoking with a heater dangling out of his mouth with about an inch of ash on it while he's sitting there buck naked too, just on a little stool, right? And he's sitting next to, to Jack Morris, right? legendary Hall of Fame pitcher, World Series winner, uh, Minnesota god. Icon, yep. And in a loud enough voice so that every single person can hear it in the locker room, Fingers nudges Morris and points at me and says, look at Zimmer, look at Zimmer. And everybody turns and looks at me and I'm like, oh my God, nothing could be worse. He goes, that's a baseball player's body. That's a ball player's body. It was, and Adrian Pearson just thought it was the funniest thing in the whole world. So we were immediately cemented as being pretty chummy. We get upstairs to where we're actually going to warm up on the field before the game. And he pulled, now if you remember your Vikings history, for as long as he was a Viking, they kept saying, if you could just throw the ball to him in the flat, yes. in a little bit of space, give him some, you know, eight, nine steps to get up to speed, he would average 15 yards a carry. I mean, if he could catch the ball in the flat, this guy could be the greatest football player of all time. Mm -hmm. But it was drop after. I mean, he, he had a horrific catch game. And I always thought it was some sort of like football thing, bad luck, the yips, it got in his head. He pulls me aside along with another player on the team and says, hey, can the three of us warm up? And it was weird because everyone was pairing off. No one was in freeze. You're, you're just warming up. You're throwing the ball. You're, you're just getting your arm loose. You're playing catch. And I, I sit there and I look at him and he says, stay with me. And I'm like, okay. And the, the other fellow 25, 30 feet away would throw me the ball, I would catch it, and Adrian would say, give me the ball. And I would <laughs> hand it to him, and he'd throw it back. Then they'd throw it to me again. I would throw it back, and he and I would alternate. He never caught the ball. And I realized it wasn't that he couldn't catch the football or had some kind of yips associated with it. He literally couldn't catch. He could run, and he could run over everyone. He just couldn't catch. It was one of the greatest days of, of my life. My mother-in-law at the time, after the game, hugged him, and Adrian's people came up to me and said, you have to tell her to let go. She wouldn't let go. She was like five feet tall. She wouldn't let go. I, I know the part that I should focus on as a Viking fan is the AP thing, yeah. because I've gotten to shake his hand, and that thing, it got so cliche to hear every 
Troy Aikman and knock off Troy Aikman go, when you shake this guy's hand, it feels like he's a car crusher. Uh, but it's true. I've never. Yeah. I, I was like, are you shaking my elbow right now? What is how are you this strong of a human man? Yeah, I mean, I still have a broken finger from <laughs> from hanging out with him for a day. He, I mean, but it, I, I think it's why, and I, I think it's a fascinating part of sports, fascinating part of of, of media and our modern uh, age that is moving along at a at a lightning pace in every single discipline. Anywhere you look at in life, nothing is slowing down. Everything is speeding up, and we we end up lionizing and making uh, judgments about people. And, you know, you, on the field, this guy was devastating. And, you know, uh, again, I mean, he will, he's, he's in the record books. He's going, he's one of the all time greats, but Oh my God, what a devastating kind of in that, you know, I mean, he was a couple pounds thin, uh, less, but he was a, a little bit taller and a little faster, uh, I think, in that Eddie George mold where he just – he could run over everybody and was just so talented once he had the ball tucked away and was running. He's the Jim Brown of Eddie George's is what he is. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Jim Brown uh, – Jim Brown was a uh, someone who I got friendly with on the, you know, social justice and advocacy uh, front. And I got a chance to hang out with Jim Brown uh, a couple of times, and, and he was here in the Twin Cities – uh, being interviewed at the Walker, uh, this is about 15, 17 years ago. Um, and I got a chance to spend a day and, and dinner with him. Uh, and, and Jim Brown was one of those people, like when he talked, he didn't have to raise his voice. He would just talk and everyone within about a half mile just fell silent. Uh, <laughs> that man was, was something else. And for any young football fans listening, I won't even go into it. Just look up his stats by year and how relevant he was. I think he's one of those guys that if he was playing today would be a perennial all pro and record setting no matter what. He was he was just too talented a, an athlete. Yeah, he was generationless. The, yeah. the thing I will say about AP, though, is, you know, and I'll, I'll, on the football side of things is I think there's an extremely strong argument to make for if you are picking any running back from their prime, from any moment in the history of this game, I I think he's the top. I like we so quickly the NFL evolved so quickly into this. Uh, you know, let's see, seventeen different types of motions. Running backs don't like we we went from the running back world to this new world very quickly, and I think lost in that was that season that Viking fans remember, but where down the stretch Christian Ponder was the quarterback. AP runs for two thousand yards, but. All that's written down somewhere and you can look at it. But what we remember was like, hey, the Colts are putting 16 people in the box. They're they're putting their linebacker coach out there in the box. And we still, it was like, here you go, AP. And, and he was executing on a level that you were like, well, you would have to be playing 11 on five for somebody to get this many yards game after game. Yeah, I, I I think what's interesting, and you know, I don't want to get too wonky, but I'm 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 a I'm a pretty keen observer of the sport. I mean, we can talk about Jim Brown, who was 
you know, generations, you know, a generation and a half minimum before uh, AP. Uh, Walter Payton, I think, had retired by the time AP even started, you know, uh, running in the league. Uh, Eric Dickerson, the same. Uh, but when you look at Adrian Peterson's era, I pick, I take him before Tomlinson. I pick him before Marshall Falk, who I think was running at the time. I, I I, I hate to say it. I think he had more explosiveness uh, than Emmett Smith. Oh yeah, Emmett Smith has a lot of records because of the durability. But if it's a if if we're going, you know, schoolyard pick, um, and we're at running back, I, I I'm hard pressed to not pick Adrian Peterson. And off the top of my head, I can't pick someone that I would take instead of him in his prop. That's a great way. To- just don't just don't throw him the ball or stand <laughs> next to him naked. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most emasculating feeling I've ever had. Man, back when I was failing at acting heavily, I would have this feeling every great once in a while where you'd get an audition and you knew you were in trouble because somewhere in the description it would say handsome. And you would go in and you would sit in this room with 18 other better versions of yourself. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, there's lots of abs, Cy, and there's two inches taller, Cy. It was, so I can, I think you had in that situation, though, there's a disconnect where you go, well, I'm never going to be, I mean, I'm not an NFL running back. There's there's enough, at least, that you can convince yourself, like, yes. I'm not supposed to look like this man. That That's that's correct. That's correct. And, and yet, yet... A half hour later, up on the field, I realize I have some athletic superiority over him. That was the craziest thing inside of my head to figure out, why is this so surreal? And I realized it's because I'm standing next to him naked and just looking up at him and just thinking, oh, my God, this is this is the most insane sculpted human being I've ever seen in my life. And then. A half hour later, dressed, he's whispering to me, catch the ball for me. I mean, I, I, I like, I'm like, I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. By the way, by the way, I'm 62 now. Target Field is how old? 10 years old? Nine years old? At least, yeah. 11? I mean, it's some, somewhere in there. It's a while ago. But I'm still 50. He's an, he was the starting running back. On our foot, on an NFL football team. I mean, you would think in every single way he would have some athletic dominance over me. And I realized my catching game is better than Adrian Peterson's. By the way, well, I don't want to humble brag. No, do it. Let it let it rip. But I'm but I'm going to uh, arcane uh, piece of sports trivia. The only I think it's two days in America where there's no professional sports being played is baseball all-star game weekend. There is nothing else on there in, in the big four. I mean, there's some, you know, I'm sure there's some obscure bowl game being played somewhere, uh, but there is no, there is no uh, big four sport being played. So ESPN, I don't know, if, I think they just do top 10 now, but back then they did the web gem. Mm-hmm. It was sponsored by some insurance company or whatever. And it was always the defensive baseball play uh, of the day. And I was the ESPN web gem of the day, uh, which was which was pretty pretty crazy. Uh, Ozzy 
Wizard of Oz was on first base for the NL. I'm playing uh, second base. Dawkins lines one uh, straight up the middle, sort of to the shortstop side. Um, it goes off uh, Jack Morris's foot. He was pitching for us. And it ricochets towards second base. So I'm leaning right, and I dove left. In my head, I'm, I'm parallel to the ground, three feet <laughs> above it. The picture shows that there's like an inch of space between me and the ground. I had some. I basically fell over. But at one point, I was horizontal and parallel to the ground. And I grabbed the ball, and I flipped it uh, back to uh, Parisi, the wild captain, who was playing shortstop. He stomps on the bag and throws out a shocked Dawkins at first. Um, (laughs) Ozzie Smith keeps running through the bag, right, but knows he's well out, and he makes the turn, because there were no outs, to head back to his bench. And in the mid, there's still two outs. The game is on. The other batter is walking from the batter, uh, from the on deck circle into the batter's box. And I ran after Ozzie Smith. And everyone is looking at me like, what are you doing? And by the way, I should tell you, Target Field is full. There's 50,000 people watching this game because right at, because all the all stars are there watching us. And then right after, I think was the home run derby that night. So, and there's fireworks. It's a big baseball day. So the, the place is full and everyone is looking like, what is this crazy son of a doing? And I go running. I'm like, Ozzy, Ozzy, because I was such a big fan of his. And he's looking at me like, he's looking at me like, what are you doing? I think he actually may have said that. Like you're about to Selena him. That's right. And he or Nancy Kerrigan or whatever her name was. Uh, and he, he turns like, what are you doing? And I said, when you ran by, I thought you whispered good play. And I need to know, was that like good play? You were being nice or was it actually a good play? Like I needed to know from him. I needed to be beatified and to be be, be made holy by the Wizard of Oz. And he looked at me like I'm nuts. He says, no, that was a great play. Go back in the game. And I ran back. I'm like, okay, Ozzy thinks I made a good play. Literally the greatest sports moment of my life as a player was that play you have to sink into those you have to oh you have to are you kidding me once in a lifetime when am i ever going to do that again uh you can't have ozzy smith compliment you and then just not just walk away from that that's not how yeah that's not how you exist in your world that sure if you're cal ripken jr you'd be like thanks oz that's right but if you're not a pro baseball player let's go let's go suck that up a little bit I had to. I I also had to know polite. Was he being polite or was it or was it legit? The, another really great moment from the. I mean, I know we're supposed to be talking football, but it was such a great, great moment. I'm someone, one of the PR people. I mean, there's hundreds of them there that day to manage all the different talent and interviews and all that. And someone comes out and says, um, Dwight Gooden uh, wants to talk to you. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, great. And, you know, I born and raised in New York. I watched him pitch his legendary rookie year. I saw the World Series games, you know, so I, 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 I knew his professional life. I go out and he's there with his wife and his kids. And he's like, hey, we're huge fans. Could, can I get a picture of you with my wife and kids? We've seen every show you've ever done. And I'm just like, sure. And then he turns to me afterwards. He goes, so great to meet you. And I'm like, uh, Dwight, uh, we've met before. And he looks at me 
sort of strange, like, oh, when? And I'm like, uh, we were roommates for like three days at Smithers. Back when he was in treatment in New York and I was in treatment in New York, neither one of us stayed sober uh, afterwards. But we, we, we met at Smithers. Uh, and I was just, I thought it was so, inc- and obviously I remembered who he was and he forgot who I was. And he's, he's very sober now and um, has a foundation, does a lot of work uh, helping people get healthy and well. And obviously I'm 32 years sober and very public about it and, and do the same uh, sorts of things. Um, and we just had such a laugh about that because it was so typical uh, of two people who don't stay sober, but he yeah, he had no idea who I that I was there then. And I was like, we roomed together like three nights. We crossed, you know, there's like five people in a room there. Like we were, it was the great moment of my not recovery was rooming with him for 30 seconds at Smithers. We'll move on. We're going to talk Raiders. We're going to talk this team. Yep. But there are, there are two things that I can't let go. One, the reason why comedians need to be allowed to be on like you needed a Louis Anderson in that game or something. Raleigh fingers line about that's a baseball player's body. That is a funny, funny, funny line. Oh my God. The room just lost it. I mean, Raleigh, Raleigh fingers is one of the funniest human beings. And obviously one of the, you know, greatest baseball players, you know, full stop of all time, but what an incredible man it would, but you, to have a guy in there, like a like a Louis rest his soul or like an, just another great comic who could have just taken that premise. Yep. The first thing I'm going to say is like, hey, everybody, look, Adrian Peterson has a weird white mole. Like <laughs> yeah. there the amount of lines that would probably I can't even do on this show that I have. I am. It's becoming a roast in that locker room immediately. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. And everyone was so afraid because you have all these big personalities. And I mean, first of all, the Hall of Famers, you've got the the celebrity celebrities that are flown in from L.A. and New York to participate. You've got the local uh, folks. It was I think everyone was it was a great icebreaker. And if it if it weren't there, but for a few inches and a pitch or two, we would have won that game and probably credited Raleigh's tremendous coaching. But yeah, we blew it. You you make a good point about the personalities in the room because I, I find it goes one of two ways because it it is impossible to reach the height of your profession without a level of belief in yourself and a level of ego that both ha- like I think ego's got this horrible you know connotation to it in our society, but I think there's there's definite pros to it. There's definite like you need this almost sadistic belief in yourself to rise above hundreds of millions of other people in a job where everybody wishes they could do it. Well, it's the same way in T same way in TV and cooking right now. I mean, like it's, it's crazy. And, and if you don't think or have the, the minute you get nervous and don't think that you can cook that dish perfectly or don't think in the, in the age of competition, whether, whether it's on television, literally with competition, TV shows or competing for a job that 5,000 people want and are a thousand are probably qualified for, or just being a line cook in the kitchen where it's like, I need to be, I need to be a sous chef in a year. And there's 10 other people who want that job as much as me. I've got to outwork, out hustle, outperform, find my place. And to be confident 
in how you behave in those situations and not being a total piece of junk. Uh, and, 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 and by that, I mean, if you're too self-centered, your behavior will turn off other people and you could be the most talented, but you're, you're not getting chosen. I've never been the most talented person in any room that I've walked into professionally in my world. However, I have had enough of the other skills where I have been the chosen person. And after you've been the chosen person a while, then the healthy part of the ego comes in. You have to have some humility uh, about what you do. You have to understand the role that luck plays. You have to understand uh, that there's more than just skill being evaluated here. And there's some things that no one can understand. Sports is very quantifiable. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Um, you may have a string of bad luck and not make it from the minors to the majors or from college to the pros in football. Um, in, in my world, um, it, the, the metrics are a, a little bit different. But the, the key to it all is to have the self-confidence that makes you raise your hand and say, I can do that. I mean, if you can't, if you don't have that belief in yourself, that healthy piece of self-confidence, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle, which is why as a parent, you're you're trying to teach your kids as they get older, it's okay to lose. It's okay not to be the best, but you got to believe in yourself and you got to keep trying and keep putting yourself up for things and keep raising your hand because otherwise it's not going to work. Well, and I, I find those t- when people rise to that occasion and you've been like celebrity softball games, you know, you do wonderful charity work, wonderful community work. So you find yourself in the presence of a lot of these people a lot. And through some of the things I've done, I have as well on a different scale. But I, I find the interesting thing about that ego is there's two versions of it. That's right. Once you get there, there's the one that re- that really and I don't even mean like one guy's a dick and one guy's awesome. I mean, like it's the sense of humor about oneself. And I think a lot of those big egos, if you are funny and you can riff and you can run and you can attack, a lot of them go, God, that was funny. All of us big, like impressive people in this room. When Raleigh Fingers said that in a room full of impressive people, like to cut each other, there's a different sort of humor in that. Yes. And then the other side of it is the ones who, like I did an event for the Super Bowl for Adidas and I was interviewing, I might've told this to people on the show before, but they, uh, we were interviewing players for ESPN and my job was to try to pitch them business ideas. <laughs> <laughs> to try to get them to I was basically doing one man size shark tank and like <laughs> Xavier Rhodes and Alvin Kamara were so funny and they got it and I sat down and I'm sure this dude has the best I'm I'm sure he's great but uh I pitched Dak Prescott who was wearing a hat that said Dak on it <laughs> uh I pitched Dak Prescott's Panini Prescott which was <laughs> which was a sandwich bed. It was probably my only good, only good idea of the day. That's a really good one. Thank you. He looked at me like somebody like, we're like, hey, are we a dictatorship yet? Can we put this guy down? Why is he here? How can we get rid of this man? So it's always funny navigating some guys who are like, oh my God, that's funny. And other guys are like, no, 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 no. I'm the king. Did you remind him of the George Foreman grill? That George Foreman... I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. It was literally the lean in. And he's a sleep number guy. I was like, let's take the Foreman success. 
you're brand building in the sleep world and let's make something. And it was funny uh, to no one. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, you said a very important word in there, uh, and that is the word fun. I think if you don't have fun in life by saying yes, uh, something is going to wind up being missing. And I'll, and I'll give you a really short, big example. You know, I'm at a point in my career with, you know, uh, restaurants and awards and um, uh, shows and uh, my work away from TV and stuff that it's it's not necessary uh, for me to say yes to everything. And um, I, I said yes to a couple of cooking competitions recently. A, a few of them are, are going to air. Uh, one big one is going to air in the next uh, week or so. And people looked at me and said, why are you doing that? You know, what, what if, what if one of these young chefs who's been on top chef and every other guy theory show and does nothing but cooking competitions, like they're in co- cooking competition shape. Yeah. You know, you got a half an hour to make three dishes. Why, why are you doing that? And I said, because it's fun. Yeah. Because I want to see at age 62 if I still have it, number one. Number two, I'm actually confident enough that I can compete against anyone, anytime, any place, bring it on still. And I have I feel that way. Um, and and three, probably most importantly, it's just a blast. Why wouldn't you want to do it? You got nothing to lose. So what if some young chef who's really talented, uh, you know, in the eyes of three judges, celebrity judges that most of whom don't know food at all, pick that person by a point or two. Who cares? Yep. Who cares? I think people get too wrapped up in what other people are going to think. And in the age of cancellation and being dragged and put on blast and all those other things that we do to folks, many people, by the way, deservedly, um, but we have this idea that anytime somebody stumbles, we all have to go, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that. They're a stumbler. I, I think I don't think that's that's how to be it. I think you have to say yes to things. You have to ignore the people, you know, throwing banana peels from the cheap seats, and you gotta have fun. It's a great recipe for life. Yeah, I think so. I, I always uh I'm not a big boxing guy, so you know, for you know, for of all people to make this. Uh, reference, but I, I don't want to be Floyd Mayweather. That's right. I'm happy to be. I'm happy to be. You know, a different guy who loses a bunch of fights. You know, Floyd. The big thing with him is what? Right? Never fought anybody. Never fought anybody in their prime. Sure, he won all these fights. Never fought anybody in his prime. That's right. Uh, he'll tell you he's the greatest, though. That's right. Uh, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little Vikings here. We yesterday, Josh Dobbs gets named starter. Yep. Uh, coming out of the bye. I've probably been leading the charge on the the Dobbs thing here on this show. Uh, annoyingly, in my personal life, people are like, "If this is a Dobbs call, I'm hanging up. I want to, <laughs> I want, I want to discuss where we're going to dinner." Uh, and so, I'm really, I, I think all the conversation around. I'd be curious about your take on quarterbacks. I so often, you know, we were just doing it. We were discussing Peterson and all the greats. But we forget that the NFL is a math equation. You know, it's they have perfected the salary cap. And, uh, you know, my expectations for quarterbacks around the league is heavily tied to what they make versus what they output. So, like, a guy can make 40 and be worth more than that. He can make 2 million and be worth less than that. Or he could be Brock Purdy. 
Yeah, or he could be. Well, and that's <laughs> that's my thing. You see, a lot of these teams that succeed succeed with guys who are on rookie quarter rookie deals or early career deals that are far better than those deals. Um, so all that Kirk versus Dobbs aside thing, I just think it's exciting to have a guy who brings an element to the game that we haven't seen in a while. And I think it's yeah. exciting to not not really know. I, maybe it goes down in flames the rest of the year, but also... I, I don't think so. Maybe it gets crazy. Maybe we're a weird team that you're like, how the hell are they in the NFC Championship game right now? Yeah, I, I, it's funny that you say that because I, I literally was thinking to myself as, as a fan, what everyone is thinking these days, which is with the schedule ahead of us and with the with the math, uh, on the playoffs, we, we could find ourselves, we could find ourselves in the playoffs. And what are the expectations? And I think with no expectations on the shoulders of this team, mark my words, if we get in as a, as a wild card team, I, I think we, we have a chance of winning a game. And, and, and here's why. I think we saw an unfiltered Dobbs with a pared down playbook, just playing schoolyard ball, come out and be successful the moment he joined our team and, and he won his first two games. Yep. Then he gets into the play and he's got it. He's now thinking about 700 things instead of 200. Um, and he throws a lot of picks. All right. The guy can run it. You can watch him even in his failures. He's not scanning one way. He's not doing the Justin Fields thing where He'll look one way and throw it, and he can be successful against a weak defense or throw an interception. Josh Dobbs checks down and looks at every single one of his options. Has he thrown some bad balls? Yes, he has. Do I think the bye week really, really, really is going to uh, have been helpful to him? 1,000%. Uh, I think we're going to see a different Josh Dobbs. I think they've had time to put in the right kind of plays for him in our scheme. We now, and I don't think you can underestimate the return of Jefferson. I don't care what anybody says, but if you as if you have Osborne, Addison, and Jefferson, you have to, the Raiders, even though they have one of the top 10 secondaries in the league and by the numbers are holding quarterbacks, you know, to I think 90 something average QBR. I mean, their defense is playing well. I think we have a good scheme against them this weekend. I trust our coaching staff to have put in the right kind of the right kind of plays. The naysayers are going to be surprised. I, I think we win this game and then I think things get very, very interesting. And I and, and look, what Flores has done with the defense, that defense of ours has kept us in, yes, we had a couple of big blowouts, but we we are so much better on defense. And I think this kid Metellus Oh my gosh! Yeah, what a what a secret weapon. Well, it's not a secret anymore, but uh, can do so many things. Uh, yeah. I really look and and look the Vegas the Vegas offense. I, I I don't believe in them. I believe in our defense more than their offense. And I think Dobbs doesn't throw fifteen picks this game. And I think we win this game. You said what I think is the most intriguing thing, and I I haven't heard anybody else hit on it, and it's where my brain's been consistently everybody looks at that last game against the chicago bears and they go what a disaster yep. what a hor and that, uh, inarguable it was a disaster yep. but i think if you look back at the first time we played with kirk 
the minus the 500 alive interception balls, right? The pa- let's call them the panic balls that are happening, right? Uh, the the uh oh, throw it in the air. Uh, the the statistics were about Dobbs was 21 for 31 for 181. Kirk was 22 for 32 for 185, something like that. That that is just clearly not a great matchup for us, especially without Justin Jefferson. And I think. Where everybody is pointing at the quarterback going, you need to protect the ball. You can't make a couple of these mistakes. And all that's true. I think what the head coach is doing is going quietly, is going, no, 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 no. I need to put you in a position. That's right. I, I, I O'Connell is such a good self-scouter that I think when you, there was one play in that game where he dropped back. He fell onto the right hash and he tried to throw back and get it in between a high-low concept to Addison and it was picked off. And I think that is a throw that somebody with Kirk Cousins' arm talent layers that ball in there. And so I don't know, I I don't know that this staff and this team is going to spend the the rest of the year pretending that Josh Dobbs can achieve Kirk Cousins' arm talent. I expect them to come out, and I expect us to see more rollouts. I ex- Now that Nick Mullins is healthy and is an actual option, I expect them to be willing to call some runs. That's right. I mean, this guy is the second best running quarterback in the league, only to the greatest running quarterback in NFL history. I think... I think it was all possum. I don't think they were ever even considering starting anybody but Dobbs. I think you're exactly right. I think the coach's approach this week is going to have people go, oh, shit. And and you said something very important. I think the coaches knew all along they're starting Dobbs. I think they want to get his competitive blood. This is a smart man, Mm -hmm. a great competitor, a lifelong multi-sport athlete before he just went football. Uh, I think Josh Dobbs is going to have a great game. And I think the reason is you you hit the nail on the head. Their game plan is going to be to spread that ball around so that that Las Vegas defense does not know who's getting the ball, when and where, and whether it's a run or a pass. And they've had time to actually put that game plan in. And I think that's the difference maker this weekend. You see it so often with these young NFL coaches because it's such a different breed of coach that we've seen come in after McVay and Shanahan really put their stamp on the league. We just saw it in Cincinnati in the Cincinnati Jacksonville game on Monday. Joe Burrow goes down. They start Jake Browning against the Steelers. It's a disaster because they're trying to do some Burrow-esque things. And if you listen to their staff, this week they put in more RPO with second-level looks. They put in more boots and more play actions. And Jake Browning, a guy that you most people listening didn't even know was a human man, goes out and puts up 80% on like 300, some absurd stat line. And the key there, and the reason why I think that's important, is because... T. Higgins came back. That's right. And so now he's handy and and Chase Brown came back. So it's a very similar, like, now we have our weapons. Let's let this guy do what he does within the weapons. Let me go, let me go back to something you said earlier about design run plays for Dobbs. In that Cincinnati game, Browning had two runs for for very good yardage at important parts of the game. Burrow is is not that kind of scrambler uh, right now. And it was just enough. I mean, announcers say it all the time. You you get in two run plays and the defense questions whether or not that next play 
10 minutes later on another series is going to be a rub. I, I have a lot of faith in our coaching staff on both sides of the ball. I like McConnell. I like the group he's put together. I think I think they're going to design a really good game plan uh, to take advantage of the weaknesses that the Raiders have. And I think they're going to bite on a lot of stuff and we're going to take advantage of it. And I think the funny thing about football is, you know, they say it's a game of inches and they say it's a game of moments. And you, you can never dismiss anything because that happens in every game everywhere you can never use it as an excuse but I do think like if you go back to that Bears game it's such especially when you're not at full strength you don't have Justin Jefferson you're playing with your backup quarterback there are moments in which like that opening pass to Addison which is impossible to get a good replay for the coaches to challenge it but we all now know that was a caught ball yep right that and and as bad as Dobbs was on some things, you know, it's a team sport. That play where Addison didn't get his head, which he he said that O'Connell said that, and it doinks off and it's a pick. He catches that. He's probably still running. That's right. He's probably he's probably in Canada on his bye week, still running. And so, yeah. Then what does that week look like? And so I, I think all that adds up to, let's see what it looks like this Sunday. And and then let's go from there. And I, I want to see after we moved on from Zimmer, this is what we got this guy for. Yep. We, we wanted a guy who goes, what are my pieces? I might fail. Our team might struggle in a game that we shouldn't have. But now, how am I going to not do that the next week? And I, I think you're right. I think that's who we have in the building these days. I, I think, and ironically, uh, Game of Inches is what they called my whole day spent in the locker room with Adrian Peterson. <laughs> God, I, I, Andrew, I have this problem where I need shows to have the perfect end. And I have, I have a couple of questions I need to ask you, but... I've never wanted to just cut to theme music better than after that moment. What is the, Jay, what's the point? Why are we still doing this show? Uh, that was too funny. We're going to do the one. Everybody hates this, but I do, uh, we got to do a prediction. Tell me what you think it's, uh, tell me what you think it's going to look like. Tell me what you think the score is going to be. I think uh, we win this game 28-21. And uh, I think it's not going to be that close. I think Vegas gets uh, a touchdown in garbage time. I think we're safely ahead and we hang on thanks to our defense to win. Because I think Vegas makes the adjustments at halftime. I think we go up at the half. They make adjustments. We're safely ahead. We win. They score more points than us in the second half. I I think that's how it's going to go. We hang on to win. Looks a little bit like that Saints game. Yes, I'm going to go, I think defense is going to be important too. I'm going to go Raiders 14, Vikings 138. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Andrew, you're king of kings, man. We really, really appreciate the time. And uh, thank you for doing it. Thanks again to Andrew Zimmern for joining us on the show tonight. And thank you to our sponsor, Continental Diamond. Be sure to like, subscribe, and download the podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. We will see you all again next week. Join PA at the Las Vegas Boulevard Buffalo Wild Wings in sunny Las Vegas for Friday Football Feast presented by Coors Light. Enjoy food and drink specials and a chance to win Viking tickets and more. Visit vikings.com slash bww for full schedule and details.